I'm Jackie Robertson. I'm Joy Barnes. And we are Between Between the the Jays. So, summer's ending slowly but surely. I think we have, what's the first day of fall? Is it September? Sometime in September. 22nd, I think. Something like that. So, I'm living every moment till then. It'll still be hot till October. Yeah, but we say that, but then you may have a cold front. (laughs) We just might. A cold front to me is 70. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. No kidding. And yeah. a thunderstorm. Yeah. But we are getting closer to Labor Day, which is usually the official mm-hmm. end of summer. Yeah. Um, and the sunrise on the square. Yes. And that is up. like, that event's been going on for years. I can't even remember. I want to say it's probably close to 30 or 40, even probably more than that. They've always had it. I love the movement of when they have 5Ks and 10Ks and everything around the town. I think it's just fun to watch. Or participate. Or participate. That's yeah. right. I used to like to try to run them, but I just, I think I gave up on my running career, unlike you. Unlike me, yeah. <clears throat> and I yep. was just saying to my husband the other day, I was like, I think we have until Friday, <clears throat> which was last Friday to <clears throat> register, and we didn't, but we'll have to check that out. I'm sure you can get in anytime. <laughs> you just might not get a t- another t-shirt, that is. That's, That's right. I always say. Just another Never t-shirt. Too many t-shirts. Yeah. And then also what kind of kicks off fall is the Kiwanis Fair, Mm -hmm. the Coweta County County Fair. Fair. Yeah, that's always a lot of fun, and it's neat because we have that fairgrounds out Mm -hmm. there that's just, it's just super nice. We used to have it out by the recreation department when I was growing up, over where the Waffle House is on Temple Avenue. (laughs) Over by the library? (laughs) Yeah, it was all over there, and it was, it was a cool spot back then, but it's when we were small. Oh, yep. Well, has it always been in September? Because this year it's September 14th through the 24th. It used to run for a week, but it's always been in September. So, yeah. Well, it's so hot the rest yeah. of the time. Yeah, so, you got to do it in September. And then we have, um, just fast forward a minute to mm-hmm. October, we've got the um, the Oak Hill Cemetery yes. tour, which it's the 21st and 27th. Yep. And that is one of my favorite events because. You know, you think cemetery tour, October, spooky, scary. And we, by the way, we need still need to find someone to come on and talk oh, about haunted you know houses that's around a good, the town. That's a good plug right yeah. before we get to our guest yeah, for this for sure. episode. But um, if you do know any really great stories mm-hmm. about anything haunted in Coweta County, you need to reach out to Joy and I. Because yeah. we want to do a podcast on that. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna go out. That's going to be my mission is to, to find you if you do. <laughs> We will find you we will to find come on because I love those stories. I think they're a lot of fun. Yes. Well, should we get to our guest yes. for today? Mm-hmm. All right. So we have Eric Miller with Habitat for Humanity with us. Hello, hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're glad to have you. I see you every day. At Almost the every day. Yeah. If you I'm in the I, coffee shop, he's in the coffee shop. If and, there's two staples in that business, as yes, you know. Yes, and we, we are all talking like, okay, let's get together and do the podcast so mm-hmm. anyway i appreciate it very much so yeah so tell us a little bit you know when i think of habitat i think about building houses mm-hmm. for the needy mm-hmm. and then i think about the habitat store and then we just have random conversations so tell us yeah. what you think well habitat we for humanity yeah was founded in 1993 this is actually our 30-year anniversary so huh? We're you know working on T-shirts and our annual mm-hmm. campaign, so we'll be promoting that eventually. But we provide an essential service to the community. We provide uh, affordable home ownership opportunities to those who make between thirty and eighty percent of area median income. Mm-hmm. 
and Coweta County is uh, considered part of the metro Atlanta area. So the median income is considered to be over $100,000. So that's a lot more people than you may think it is. A lot of mm-hmm. folks think we serve just the people who are really low on the income scale. That's not necessarily true. you got to think about teachers and firefighters and policemen, mm-hmm. service industry workers, people like that, who at this point, you know, I don't think it's any mystery that the the housing prices have kind of outpaced incomes for quite some time now and the housing Mm -hmm. market's blown up so um, providing those opportunities to people who work in this community so that they can also live in this community and enjoy the amenities in this community is really important Uh, it is a program of opportunity it's it's about equality of opportunity is what we say not uh, equality of outcome when they get into the program there's a lot that they have to do um, we want to make sure that we're arming them with the hard skills that they need to succeed as first-time home buyers so they have to pass a battery of courses on finance budgeting escrow credit management developing the hard skills that they need to be successful in this scenario uh, but they also have to do 250 hours of sweat equity and that's out on the build site building their own home with their own hands learning valuable skills mm-hmm. and it's kind of you know teach someone to fish versus giving them a fish. Mm-hmm. They, they, they put in the hard work themselves. And I tell you at the end of this process, when they get in that home, it really, really sticks. Um, How long does it take? Like from the time someone, I'm assuming they have to do an application. Absolutely. From the time that they start until they actually move into their new home uh, that depends a little bit uh, but because we use volunteer labor that's a wonderful thing because that's one of the ways that we're able to make the home actually affordable because we're offsetting that cost um, the project timeline for just building one home is, is typically about four to five months uh, so it's a little longer than that we don't put people in the program for years at the time uh, at a time because we don't want them to wait too long so they'll apply they'll do an initial application uh, through Mary Spearman our COO and they'll get vetted on their income their debt to income income ratios, their credit score, things like that. And once they're approved or, or once they get past that initial assessment, they go. Uh, bef- their application goes before our homeowner selection committee, which is a committee comprised of local community volunteers. And they select these families based on a few criteria. Do they actually demonstrate a need for affordable housing? Because we won't just sell to anybody, right? You mm-hmm. actually have to display a need, which could be a lot of different things. Maybe um, it's that you live in a two-bedroom house and you have three kids all living in one room and, like, mm-hmm. you need space or something. Maybe you just live in a blighted part of town. So if, for instance, if Joy and I are applying for the same house and all things being equal, we're kind of the same on paper, but she has a couple kids and I don't, we're almost definitely going to take the person with children because that's demonstrating a greater need, right? Um, you also have to have a willingness to partner with Habitat for Humanity, um, and that is doing the sweat equity. We, we bring them out to uh, fundraisers and things like that, have them tell their story because the best way to secure additional funding and keep the, to keep the train on the track, so to speak, mm-hmm. is to publicize their story in the community. And then, of course, you have to have the ability to pay. Um, we always have three main criteria. I'm never going to not build the highest quality and most beautiful house that I possibly can. I want to make sure I'm building it in the best area that I can so that it appreciates in value and benefits the family long term. And I want to make sure I'm putting someone in that home that is actually qualified for that opportunity and is ready for the responsibility. Because the worst thing that we can do is put someone in a home that's not quite ready for that responsibility yet. That's not what this is about. We want to make sure that this is a long term benefit for them and that it can hopefully create generational wealth and things like that. So that was a long story to say that <laughs> probably about six months. Mm-hmm. And so what um, happens if they, soup to nuts. So I know they're tied to you, but what happens if they move into the house and they outgrow the house? What's the selling? Sure, if they want to sell it. So we, it's uh, I think our, our real estate friends will appreciate this because mm-hmm. we are able to build for more affordably than a lot of different developers. The last three bedroom that we built cost about one ninety three. It appraised for two forty. 
So follow my math real quick. We sold it to her for 193. That's the note that she pays on. And she ended up her monthly mortgage payment, by the way, and this is the important statistic, is about $700 a month. That's all in. And the metric that we're looking at there is we want to make sure that she's below 30% of her gross monthly income. That is a universally understood metric. That is the definition of affordable housing. If we can keep you below that 30%, we statistically know that you can save more money, do more things for your children, and, and do the things that if you were cost burden, you wouldn't be able to do, right? Um, sorry, I kind of sidetracked myself. What was the question? About the resale. The resale. Okay, yeah, if they're selling. So we put them in and they pay that monthly note. But we also put a second lien on the home. It's called a silent second that marks the overall value of the home from the sale price all the way up to market value. So they have loans all the way up to the 240. They never pay that second loan as long as they stay in the home. It falls off. If it's a 20-year note or a 30-year note, it falls off 120th every year as they pay their first mortgage. If they decide to sell before their home's uh, completely paid off, that's fine. But they have to pay back the first and second liens before they can capture their equity. Does that make sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. So that protects us against investors because you know it could be possible that someone could come in and try to like rig the system a little bit and flip a habitat house. So they can't do that. We have covenants built in. They can't rent out homes. They can't turn it into an Airbnb. They have to be the primary resident of that house. What is the largest house that you've built? Uh, since I've been around a three-bedroom, um, I don't think we've, from the ground up, ever built anything bigger than that. Uh, our our, our uh, corporate bylaws suggest that we could build, I think, up to a household of eight. We've never even nearly come across mm-hmm. that. Over 80% of our homeowners are single mothers, mostly of color, actually. So, it, mm-hmm. there, And there's a deep need. We, our waiting list is like 400 deep sometimes oh, wow. as far as people waiting to get oriented. It, it's a deep need not just in our community, but all communities. If you were to reference the 2019 study that the City of Noon commissioned on housing in the air from the Bleakley Advisory Group, or the Joint Center for Housing Studies from Harvard University. They do the annual report for the nation's housing. This is kind of a thing everywhere. Um, Baby boomers are about to age out, right? Uh, People my age and younger don't have access to pensions and retirement plans like we once did. There's going to be a big movement over the next 10, 20 years to find ways to keep your monthly overhead as low as possible if you're trying to build a family and things like that. So controlling your housing costs is one great way to do that. And to do that, we have to build a little bit smaller. Uh, that's one way that we do. They're very high quality homes, and we're very happy to take some input from the communities that we're working with because we want to make sure we're blending into the aesthetic and things like that. Uh, but building a little bit smaller is the way that we are able to achieve some affordability. But that, that's that's a tough sell sometimes, as, mm-hmm. as I'm sure you've heard. Housing is a very high button issue. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So do you um, do you have covenants tied to the property? Like once you move in, absolutely. Like you. You know, like if you're in a regular HOA, mm-hmm. you've got different We'll often, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we'll often get confused. People think we'll either give homes away or, mm-hmm. or they, they, they confuse us a little bit with the housing authority or something like that, like government voucher programs. Um, again, <clears throat> input from the community is very important to us, and we want to make sure people feel great about the communities that we're building within their community. And, yes, uh, we want to make sure that people aren't parking on the streets, that their lawns are manicured and things like that. Um, so, yes, there are trash removal. All of those things are taken care of so that it's a beautiful space that also blends into the community. There's a, go ahead, please. Oh, no. I was going to say, so how do you acquire the land or how do you decide where to 
The good old fashioned way. Okay. Uh, just just with some money. We, we, we got a, a nice little nest egg at the moment, thanks to the city of Noonan. Actually, the city of Noonan has been pretty wonderful to work uh, with. They're mm-hmm. the only municipality in the county that I've worked with since I've been uh, CEO for the past four years. Uh, my predecessor, Christina Bowerman, secured the land that we're building. East Broad Estates, our little <laughs> seven, eight home development about a mile from the square in Noonan. But in about a month or two after we erect the world's largest retaining wall, we're going to start uh, construction on the last three homes of that development. But I'm trying to be pragmatic in the meantime and looking for land. Uh, so I have put together a site selection committee of some community volunteers, some real estate professionals, and we're looking around right now. There's definitely some infill lots that are available um, because uh, as a result of tornado disaster mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Um, so some of those may be available to us. Of course, we can build small communities like the one we're building over here. Uh, there's also uh, mixed income communities that we can work with. So that that's something that I'm particularly interested in because I, I can't tell you how wonderful these human beings are that we're moving into these houses. They're really just like looking for that opportunity to like be the best version of themselves. And I think one great way to do that is if we can find a way over time to not necessarily just build a habitat development, but is there a developer out there that we can partner with where if you're building a large scale development, like a summer grove or something, what would it take for me to acquire like one to 2% of the lots in that neighborhood so that we can pepper habitat houses in? And, and that's not to suggest like, we're not going to do that in Noonan Pines or Arbor mm-hmm. Springs. Mm-hmm. That wouldn't make sense because our houses would be dwarfed mm-hmm. next to like yeah. these giant things. But like, in the kind of uh, you know starter home side of Summer Grove, like we blend in super seamlessly to that, and I think that that would also break down a lot of barriers in the community. People get scared of change, and and they get a little confused about our program. But I think you know if our homeowners are next to someone who's a little higher on the socioeconomic ladder, and they see, I want my lawn to look like that, I want to make sure that I'm living up to that standard. But at the same time, that neighbor can meet them and understand that's just a human being doing the best that they can and trying to raise their kids and live their life. Uh, I, I think that that would build community and, and make everyone a little bit more compassionate towards each other. So um, anyone wants to have coffee with me, I'm looking to continue to have these conversations. I know housing's like a, a, a very hot button topic right now, yeah. but I think it's more important than ever to just have conversations about it. Like mm-hmm. stay off social media. Mm-hmm. I'm not a hard guy to get a hold of. I want to talk to everyone about this. I want other people's input. Um, this is something that's going to be something that we need to address over the next 10, 20 years. If we can at least agree something needs to be done about diversifying the housing stock, then, then I think that we're in a great place. If you don't agree with that whatsoever, then I respect your opinion. I may disagree with it. But if you're at least willing to agree that something should be done to help the people that work in this community stay in this community, then let's have a conversation. I want to hear what you have to say. And if my program isn't up to snuff and if there's things that you want to change about it, tell me about it. I want to hear about it. Like, I can be wrong. Um, but you need to convince me. <laughs> well, I think so much of it's an education process. For sure. I think a lot of people... And nothing against Jimmy Carter. No, no. But, you know, a lot of people, when you think about Habitat, they're like, oh, Jimmy Carter was instrumental in mm. that back in the day. And I he was actually know. just a figurehead. A lot of people think he's a wonderful human being, but yeah. he, he had nothing to do with, like, the inception or creation of Habitat. He's a volunteer. It yeah. was just something he did yep. post his presidency. And they wisely used him as a kind of a marketing springboard. And, and he, right. he's really kind of probably pushed Good the brand. Good or bad, right? Yeah. <laughs> Does Habitat ever rehab a house or do they only build Thank you for that up? question. Yes, we do. Um, uh, I'm always so focused on new construction because I think that that's what we need to be really pushing. But we do have a critical repair program called A Brush With Kindness. That is where existing homeowners can reach out to us if they're having a difficult time uh, paying for existing repairs. That's also something that they pay for. 
it's a very affordable payment and there is some class work and some sweat equity that goes along with it but the tornado shed a light on that because noonan as we all know it was not burned during the civil war by sherman uh such an interesting story there's so much old architecture in the city of noonan Mm -hmm. but we also realized after the tornado my goodness there's a lot of folks out there without insurance Oh, yeah. and, and or, or just a lot of folks out there that may have insurance but have decided not to make repairs well, on their home over still, time and things like you know, that. A lot of people got hit by the tornado and some of them didn't do repairs. They just sold out. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then if you ride around, there's still houses that you kind of look at like, that really needs... help. Fixed or replaced or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we're, we just got done doing two or three of those um, and we're going to pause that because again... I'm really trying to like scale us up and get our capacity a bit bigger. If we were running at a full clip, um, mm-hmm. we could probably build four houses a year and repair six to ten. Mm-hmm. Um, we're kind of a medium-sized nonprofit. I'd like us to get to six to eight, but we have a staff of four people. So we're, yeah. everything else is volunteer-run. So it's like uh, I, I love Coweta County because I can always tap a lot of our local business leaders, and I'm having a lot of meetings like how do we scale this thing up and get a little bit more efficient at doing it and that, mm-hmm. things like that because – you know, when you see a, a waiting list of like 400 folks that are interested in your program, you're like, you just feel the the, the pull. You know, we don't get into this work to to not do the work. So it's like we we got to make a bigger impact. So outside of fundraising, where does the, all your like your funding? What does that look like? The funding. Things? I, have, I know you have a golf tournament. I hired a young woman named Chris, uh, Kristen Mercado, who I'm going to brag on. Um, I hired her just as like our volunteer coordinator. Um, and, and she came to me with a master's degree. I thought she was a little overqualified. But uh, over time, I just kept kind of feeding her skills, and she had a big thirst to learn. So she's become an exceptional grant writer. And because of both the COVID-19 pandemic but also the tornado and everything, there's been a lot of monies freed up for this type of work. There's mm-hmm. a lot of pots out there. Um, and her and I wrote a $483,000 grant through the city of Noonan uh, through the ARPA program, American Rescue Plan Act. And that actually is finishing off the last three homes of East Broad Estates. It's, little it's building the retaining wall and finishing those last three homes. Um, so we go we, we like most nonprofits we write grants we uh, solicit individual donations from everyone it's really competitive in Coweta County because there's 400 nonprofits mm-hmm. or something like that um, and we of course try to make uh, any relationships that we can with corporations and businesses and things like that locally and, and at the end of the day I never do the hard sell it's there's so much need out there in so many different areas I just like reaching out to people and saying I think philanthropy is important find something that speaks to your heart and invest in them, whether it's your time, your talent, or your treasure. Get out there and give something. Um, but my entry point's always going to be come out on the build and get involved with the build. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I, I'm completely biased. I think we have the best volunteer opportunity in the community. Bring your company out. If you have employees, we'll show them a great time. It'll be a cool team building experience. You get to meet the woman who's going to live in that house one day, and it just kind of like fills your heart up with a lot of love. So, I'm always going to try to meet you there first. And if you have a really good experience with this, you know, in your company or something like that, I may come to you at some point and say, hey, would you be interested in investing us and in making a financial investment in our organization? Here's why. Here's what we can offer you and that sort of thing. Um, but the relationship's always what's most important. Um, I, I don't want anyone to feel pushed out of the organization just because they decide not to financially support us or something like that. Um, but, you know, we, we plan with the board every year and we have pretty aggressive goals because building houses is not cheap. Um, So uh, land acquisition, like I said, is going to be the next thing on the block. So we're waiting on a reimbursement from the city of Noonan for the last two houses we built. We did that also through a pot of money through the city called the Neighborhood Stabilization Program. 
as soon as we get that money back in the bank, we're going to go out and look around and see what we've got. Um, important thing is to find land, hopefully with infrastructure, because that's a big obstacle if you don't have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, in, in the best area that we can practically build. Um, so when is your golf tournament? Oh, thank you for that. Um, the uh, 10 Cup Golf Tournament is October 16th at Noonan Country Club. I believe this is the sixth annual, and we're really excited about that. Uh, it's a kind of a, a fun a little spin on a golf tournament. Uh, it does play like a regular golf tournament for the most part, but on nine different holes, there's a bit of a gimmick. Uh, we've kind of pulled some fun from like 10 Cup, Happy Gilmore, all those great golf movies from the 90s. So on one hole, you putt with a hockey stick. On another hole, you tee off with a baseball bat. Um, and we have volunteers out there kind of like executing mm-hmm. all these. Uh, the one that's become the most popular is our construction guy, Terry. He erected like this apparatus with a three-person slingshot on it. And we dialed it in like the distance really accurately. So it's on a par three and you can just drop the ball like right on the par three with a slingshot. It's really fun. Um, And again, all for a good cause. I think that we've got about 10 foursomes available uh, about two months out or a month and a half out and a few sponsorships left. So if anyone's interested, uh, just uh, get on our website or on our social media because it'll be pretty hard to miss. And uh, Noonan Country Club has been incredible to work with, by the way. Yeah. Um, Dano and Lance Mm -hmm. over there, they're they're just killers. They're just doing a great job. Yeah, that's good. Do you have any other items, events that... I would just say if there's another way to support Habitat for Humanity, if you believe in the work that we do or if you're interested in the work that we do, come to the ReStore and check us out. We've got a great staff over there. It is a retail establishment that we have that sells uh, new and used appliances, furniture, building materials, antiques, anything under the sun really you'll find some really weird stuff in there sometimes and uh i <laughs> feel very what people want yeah, to get yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, there's some wild stories mm-hmm. and um we, we're very blessed to have that establishment because it allows us to operate at, at a slightly higher level than we would be able to otherwise it allows me to hire people like chris and mercado and mary spearman my coo so is that like, kind of like a um a goodwill like if you have odds and ends it is without the clothes though we don't do clothes or toys yeah. it's a little bit more geared towards so if somebody has like i've got some like a desk that I want to get rid of, some end tables. Yep, okay, absolutely. Perfect. Desks, end tables. If you need a, a – trade does a great job because we can retain our 501c3 nonprofit status mm-hmm. while still buying some whole, wholesale goods throughout the year so we can spend a little money to make some money. Mm-hmm. He does a great job finding these great deals on uh, either gently used or returned appliances from Lowe's and things like that. So if you need a new washer, do not go spend – Two grand. That's Come to, to us know. first and spend 60, 70% of that yeah. and save yourself some money. Uh, a lot of the appliances mm-hmm. even still have either the manufacturer or a restore warranty still applied to it and things like that. So, like, just come check us out before you go drop too mm-hmm. many bucks at the furniture store or at the at the lows of the Home Depot. So if you're gonna make oh sorry if you're gonna make a donation, do you have to call ahead and ask if it's something that the restore store will certainly because there are a few things that we don't take, uh, but there's a list both on the website or, or you can call and ask. Um, uh, really, you can it, it's relatively commonsensical. You can just kind of think uh, if if I would buy it, I can give it to them because you know that kind of excludes. We don't want your couch if it's got dander on. All over mm-hmm. it, or if the cat went nuts on the one leg, or something <laughs> like that. But outside of that, gently mm-hmm. use a little nick here and there, of course, because mm-hmm. you know a, a lot people of people paint furniture. Yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, last time I checked, the cost of a ribeye was about twenty dollars a pound. So people are coming to us because they're like, "I need an end table, but I don't necessarily want to spend mm-hmm. top dollar on it." So that that's the virtue of the resort. Also, keep stuff out of landfills and things like that, and it's kind of recycle, reuse, renew. Yeah, right? that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, we appreciate your time. I appreciate, appreciate you coming on. This and- is one. We'll have to go out and volunteer and 
maybe even find you a piece of land. <laughs> we'd, <laughs> we'd, we'd, love, we'd love all of that. I appreciate your support, and I appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I'm Jackie Robertson. I'm Joy Barnes. And, and we, we are, are Between, Between the Jays.